0: Africa Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African voices reporting on African stories, produced by Radio France International.
1: Hello, and welcome to season two, episode fourteen of the Africa Calling podcast, on March eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. I'm Laura Angela Benieto. From Southern Africa to West Africa, we have a number of interesting stories from our correspondents on the continent this week. In this episode, our correspondent in South Africa takes a look at how comedians and comedy shows are trying to bounce back after lockdown. Our Malawi correspondent talks to maize farmers about diversifying crops to counter the climate crisis. From Gambia, we have a report on empowering young female dropouts with skills they never thought they'd be doing. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. Africa calling. In South Africa, comedy clubs have started reopening after a two-year hiatus due to COVID-19. The inactivity of the stand-up comedy scene during the past two years not only left comics without employment, but also left an audience vacuum. As it slowly recuperates, comedians are refining their material. This through South Africa's unique brands of politically inspired rhetoric. Correspondent Kegisu Minisi has more on this from Johannesburg.
2: My name is Gavin Kelly. I'm your host for tonight. Well, my name is Gavin Kelly, if this goes well. If it
3: doesn't go well, my name is John Stierlaser. So You guys ready for some comedy, yeah? Here at Cocktail on 6 Comedy Club in Melville, Johannesburg, up-and-coming comics work through new material every Monday evening. The club is filled to capacity with a predominantly young audience from different backgrounds and races. In between having a signature cocktail drink and picking at hot wings, the crowd is eager to see the latest in the comedy scene. As resident host and co-organizer of Monday Night Comedy Sessions, Gavin Kelly is hard at work to liven up the environment.
2: So Monday night comedy has been happening for like six, seven years on and off. Um, We just got back recently. This is our fourth show. Uh, So it's good to be back in Malville. But yeah, it's mostly for the culture, man, of comedy. It ebbs and flows. It's up and down. Uh, When it's up, it's really good, man. A lot of people are making money telling jokes when it's up. Uh, But recently, because of the pandemic, it's down. So we are literally building the industry ourselves with our bare hands right now.
4: How are you guys doing?
3: How you guys doing? That's Suhail Essa on stage. He's also a medical doctor. He's one of a handful of comics tonight to grace the stage in the hopes of surviving a 15-minute set. Esa says his comedy is influenced by an upbringing in a family of political activists.
5: I come from a very politically charged background. My grandfather was a member of the ANC. He spent time in prison along with politicians that are quite famous. Growing up in a household in KZN with my grandparents, I learned about the suffering of the simple man in the street and and socioeconomic uh, issues in this country. My grandfather is also a doctor as well. So I was inspired by him to, you know, garden the world and not just work to earn a paycheck,
3: also to make a difference in people's lives. And I think that's what
5: I'm striving to do uh, in my
3: comedy. South Africa's comedy scene is part of a rich culture of using political commentary and performing arts. However, stand-up has had a reputation as a less serious platform for political rhetoric. Andrew Miller is a cultural commentator and novelist, who believes that comedy has an important place in South Africa's modern society.
2: In one sense, it's been kind of the connective tissue of different realms of urban culture. You've always found spoken word in South Africa binding different communities together. And then it's also been quite progressive. Like if you think of events like Blacks Only, the, the comedy event, like that actually was a precursor to a lot of the current sort of zeitgeist politically in terms of black consciousness it was very progressive you know um and maybe it doesn't get as much recognition as it as, as it could for for that the, the scene as a whole yeah. despite its modest political
3: credentials the scene has produced widely recognized comics individuals such as trevor noah and lois okola have gone on to fly the south african flag on the global circuit tonight Gola makes a surprise appearance on the night of Monday comedy stage. I think things should always be in scale, you know? Like, for instance, people, when they talk about witchcraft, it's
5: always big shit. He's trying to kill you. Where are all the medium to small witchcraft people? You know what I mean? Like, small witchcraft, you not know? big shit, tiny shit. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to kill you, but the Uber is always late.
3: Gola speaks of the need to scale back the practice of witchcraft a humorous take on a topic that audience can identify with. This South African-inflected humor is well-received in the U.S. too, says Miller.
2: The injection of sort of Southern African personalities, I think, has helped America a lot because I think we're naturally more feisty as a people and are able to kind of navigate the combative political environment naturally. And I think that's what you see in people like Trevor Noah and Louisa. As the rules of
3: personal brand building would have it, comics have to impress beyond the stage. Many of them opt for various channels to ramp up their influence, such as creating podcasts and YouTube channels. Comic Suhail is no exception. I
5: started off with, you know, simple social media like Facebook, Instagram, moved over, into YouTube, and now more recently into TikTok. 10, 20 years ago, comedians focused on other forms of media to get their names out there. But we live in a time where people
3: are the most distracted. And so you've gotta be in their face all the time. Nobody is watching TV like they did 20 years ago. The need for comics to maintain an online presence became important during the national COVID-19 lockdowns. But creating their brand online with little financial support Created a challenge, feed their online audience or hone their craft on stage. Commentator Andrew Miller weighs in on the problem of overexposure
2: and even comic burnout. The challenge for all creators and comics especially is that your whole life becomes the performance if you're going to do the online, the offline, the reality show, uh, all those kinds of things, is you can easily end up in a situation where you're performing 24-7. You know? And that's problematic over the long run as a creative. You know, the short-term gains of, of turning yourself into a living, breathing show across all sort of performance dimensions the short-term gains are, are, are great but is it sustainable in the medium and long-term as a as a lifestyle and then you see a lot of people kind of coming out the back end of the influence of sausage factory pretty damaged
3: you should all be wearing a mask, I, I probably should uh, because I should be setting an example, I'm, I'm a doctor I'm Indian.
4: What other choice did I have? <laughs> it was either go sell happy Bubbly and A-Time in Fortville, or become a doctor. And let's be honest, I didn't want to be called my friend for the rest of my life. I prefer doctor as the title.
3: Back at the club, Suhail is savoring the audience response. He speaks of the limited career choices that Indian people have in South Africa. In its current form, Comedians face a balancing act between drawing people back to the clubs while continuing to entertain their online viewers. But at the end of the day, its core function at Monday Comedy Night will always be to make people laugh.
5: Yeah.
3: For audience member Jab Zweedy, it was the release she needed from the COVID nightmare.
5: I love the comedy show. I just think sometimes South Africans, we need to relax, guys. We come from a hectic fucking two years of fucking lockdown, guys. Let's just let our hair loose. We are a nation of laughter, we are a nation of love. Everything's a good time. Black, white, Indian, colored, whatever, you know. Let that come back to us and let that be who we are. Laugh a little. Life is not that serious.
3: For South African comedy, working conditions are still fluid. But one thing that has been consistent about the scene in its evolution is the ability to foster a strong sense of community. A community that has nurtured a widely recognized brand of social political humor even amid strict lockdowns. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Gahis Nisi in Johannesburg. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International.
1: In Malawi, the climate crisis has greatly affected the agricultural sector as droughts, plagues, floods, pests and disease have continually hit the country. Correspondent Benson Kunchezera reports on how Malawian farmers are diversifying crop production as one way of adapting to the effects of a volatile climate.
4: At 6 a.m. sharp, work begins at Peacock Farm in Salima, an hour and a half away from Malawi's capital, Lilongwe. Tractors are on the field, making ridges across the slope to prepare the land for production of main seeds. Soy and beans. Felix Jumbe is the 67-year-old farmer who is also the owner and director of peacock seeds, a company that produces, processes, and sells main seeds. We found him giving instructions to his workers. Like many other farmers, Jumbe worries about the impact of COVID-19. He is only farming 60 out of 400 hectares because he could not afford to buy the rises last year. Jumbe says climate change has forced him to diversify to other produce like potatoes and ground nuts which don't need fertilizer like other crops. It's the combination of COVID-19, climate change and lack of fertilizer that has created hardship, he says.
3: Farmers were not able to sell their produce because the markets were at a standstill during the lockdowns and also all our fertiliser is imported. Most of the companies closed, which spearheaded high prices in the country. Tripling fertiliser prices has forced some farmers to stop farming because they can't afford to. It's only a few farmers who brought subsidised inputs from government. On the other hand, even some beneficiaries of subsidy inputs have sold the coupons because they cannot access the inputs after a long-awaited period.
4: The rainy season here in Malawi begins in December and runs through May. It is the time of the year when most farmers use their gardens to plant crops. Although it's raining now, Farmers are too dependent on the rain season and on their maize crop, says Taman Conovora, an agriculture expert. He calls on farmers to diversify to other crops like banana, sweet potato, and cassava. Because maize production has been heavily affected by climate change. If there is too much rainfall... Or that is too little rainfall. Maize is always affected, but also we have seen that in most of the pests that are coming in, like for army women and all those, they are greatly affecting maize production. So, if we diversify to other crops like cassava, sweet potato, uh, bananas, and all those, it should be uh, a way forward for us to be able to uh, to, um, uh, to to adapt to, to climate change. But also in terms of production, we also need to diversify, not only consumption, but also production, because we are talking about the droughts and all those. Farmers complain that rising prices of fertilizers and other farming commodities from various agro-dealers are hating their livelihoods. Back in Lilongwe, farmers inside a grocery shop are negotiating with owner Zangoma on prices for purchasing farming commodities. Fertilizer prices have risen sharply in Malawi, with a 50 kilo bag sitting between 40 and $50, almost double the price of the previous year. President Lazarus Jaguera said he would try to keep the steep price of fertilizer, estimating that 80% of Malawi farmers. Can no longer afford to buy fertilizer. However, Ngoma, one of the agro dealers in Malawi, justifies the current price rise. We are not the ones who hike the prices. But what you should know is that we, as agro dealers, we buy these items from other big companies who import fertilizers, and the prices are higher there. In order for us to make profit, we increase a certain amount because we use transportation. We are the ones reaching out to many farmers in different parts of the country. The prices of fertilizer are now higher globally, and it is not agro-dealers who are overcharging. Expert invora projects that Malawi will suffer all production this year due to a series of tropical cyclones, which caused the frauds, leaving a lot of farmers destitute. He calls on government to intensify adoption of smart agriculture, like conservative agriculture and agroforestry, to overcome climate change. Reporting for RFI's Africa Corinne, this is Benson Kunchesera in Lilongwe
3: us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore
2: underscore calling.
1: In the Gambia, an estimated more than 50% of girls drop out of school before or at high school, which makes them extremely vulnerable. That's where Fandema comes in. The grassroots organization is giving young women without many options a chance to train in fields which have been considered male-dominated. Correspondent Sally Jang reports from Banjul.
5: It is a quiet and calm evening here at Katom beach. Unusual for a fishing center that attracts women from all parts of the country who sell or smoke fish and even harvest oysters. Fatun used to do a similar work as the fishmonger at Tanje beach. Today she works as the solar panel installation teacher. Fatu is leading a team of young girls to build a solar ice maker to help sellers store their fish safely. You separate it so that it will be easy for you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it like this. The fishing centre inspires her, but is also a reminder of her struggles at the beach when her hopes of university education were dust. It was at the beach that Fatih heard about the opportunity to learn about solar installation at Fandema Women's Development Centre. Fandema means self-help in Mandinka. Technical training like this is not popular among Gambians, especially girls. But Fatou says it changed her life. Everybody should be able to make it in life.
0: After high school, I wanted to go to university to study nursing, but I had no one to pay for me. I'm from a poor background. University of Gambia, school of nursing in I started selling fish, and I used to go to the Fandema complex to look for firewood. I saw older women learning solar installation, and I asked about the school. I was told they support women who dropped out of school or couldn't further their education. When my father died in 2014, I decided to go there and do something that will sustain my family. I was lucky to be
5: enrolled.
0: Now married and expecting
5: her first child in a few months, Fatu sees others who had a similar birth in life. One of the girls Fatu is training now is Jamasise. She dropped out of school in the 11th grade when the world was faced with the global COVID-19 pandemic that forced schools to close down. She couldn't return to school and felt hopeless about her future. Until she was introduced to Fandema.
0: I've been studying solar installation for over a year. When schools were closed because of COVID, I was sitting home doing nothing. My dad told me about Fendema Each community sends two people to be trained at the center, but for my community, I was the only one chosen.
5: <laughs>
0: Back home, everyone is relying on me to use the skills I learned here to help them. Thankfully now I can fix any solar panels.) <laughs>
5: This project, Fatu and her students are working on, has already brought excitement to women in Katong. They have been struggling for a long time to get ice blocks for their fish and oysters so that they can store the fish they don't immediately sell. Aisa Bachan is a businesswoman at Katong Fistries. Uh,
1: We can't wait for the ice processing center to be completed because we don't have electricity here. Fandema brought solar here, and we need it as quickly as possible. Most of the time when we don't have ice blocks, our fish get spoiled. We supply fish to many parts of the country, like bass and jarasoma, so that's why we're very excited about this project.
5: So it will look, inata madi, gender stereotypes have always deterred women and girls from pursuing technical careers and professions technically taken up by men. With the Fandema initiative, these women are breaking those barriers. Malan Sambu, Sambo, project coordinator at Fandema, told Africa Calling that the center is working towards achieving its goal of ending gender stereotypes in professional careers.
4: I come from a family. My mother, the first child, didn't go to school. I can't read and write. And then all my uncles read and write. So one of the main targets is to see how we can bring education close to them. When we started right back, especially the approach of you know, learning by doing, to the young girls in the male-dominated area, to make sure that we mechanize their household workload, which is taking a lot of their time and health.
5: This year's International Women's Month theme is breaking bias. Fatu and her girls are hoping to inspire older women to change narratives in a patriarchal society where certain work is mainly designed for men. You yeah, it so that it will be easy. And today that process means a woman lighting a bulb and making eyes at a dark and smoky facing process inside. Sally Cheng. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling from Banchol. Uh,
3: Find us on your favourite
1: podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. We're almost at the end of our program. We have music maven Alison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Alison. What do you have for us today? Hi, laura Well,
0: my pick this week is from the South African indie rock band called Blackjacks. They've been around since the mid-2000s. They have a, a, a super distinctive sound. It includes Queto and Darb and Township Soul. They became really big with their debut album, After Robots, and they were even chosen to kick off the 2010 World Cup in Soweto mm-hmm. alongside Alicia Keys, no less. So it looked like they were set to be South Africa's answer to Radiohead, but then they ran into some problems, lost their lead singer and lost some steam. Happily, they're back with a new album. It's intriguingly titled Abantu Before Humans. And as you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Malian music, Tuareg Blues, so I've picked the track Mega Mali Mansa Musa. Uh, Mansa Musa was the king of the ancient empire of Mali back in the 14th century. You'll hear on the song The Driving Rhythms of Mali guitarist Vieux toure that's Ali Fakartouche's son, and Money Mark from the Beastie Boys. How, how's that for a song? Wow, that's <laughs> like Yeah,
1: thank you. Well, thanks for listening to episode 14 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with the Blackjacks. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. This episode was edited and recorded by Cecile Pompiani and Erwan Rome. Goodbye for now. Oh my God! Oh my God!
5: Oh my God! Oh my God. Oh my God.